to day three of uh, season three of Shaped by the Word. We're going through the story of the prophets, and uh, the prophets uh, illustrate, you know, both the love and, and uh, the judgment of God and God's glory, and both his his judgment of sin and his redemption of sinners and the future hope, you know, that he has for us. So we find ourselves in the early period of the prophets uh, as uh, the nation of Israel or uh, the 12 tribes of Israel have become two separate nations. There's Judah and Benjamin, which will be called Judah. Then there's the northern 10 tribes that will retain the name of, of Israel. Uh, these northern 10 tribes have from the very beginning wandered away from God. There, there's never a king who is, has a heart for God. There's a few spotty moments, you know, in Judah where there are revivals and there are restorations, but uh, they are far from the heart of God as that could possibly be as well. And so about from the time that we begin the prophets, you're about 30 years away from uh, you know, a serious conquering you know, these uh, northern ten tribes and, and nearly wiping them out. Uh, they will be called the you know, lost tribes of Israel in some lore uh, because they, you know, they are, you know, they are uh, no more. They can't have a clear identity you know, as they come you know, back, you know, not, you know, back from this. So we come to you know, the second uh, in, in of our prophets, uh, this is Amos. Amos is from Judah, and yet he's called to go to Israel. So we're a little bit awkward to begin with. He's you know crossing from uh, you know a very comfortable place in Judah you know, to go to Israel. He's not like a lot of other prophets. We don't know much about the background of Jonah. We we do see him appear in the in the narrative before the book of Jonah. Uh, but uh, he is a. Uh, he is a shepherd and a dresser of uh, fig trees or sycamore trees or sycamore in a figs, which really puts him, the word used for shepherd is a big word, uh, a manager of large flocks. So he, he's, he's kind of upper middle class, but he's not, you know, he's not the prophet or a son of prophet, as he'll tell us later in his narrative. Uh, he's simply, you know, kind of a, you know, simply a, a rough farmer that God has sent to the nation of Israel to speak to their royalty who are indulging in all of these luxuries and it seems like they have a prosperous future but there's a looming judgment that Amos reminds them of so as we come to the first book of Amos we come to uh, Amos very cleverly or God very cleverly through Amos pronouncing judgment on all of Israel's neighbors and then finally he hones in on Israel as well so we begin uh, in Amos chapter 1. I'm Paul Kemp here with Cindy Kemp, uh, David Key, and Matt Kresge uh, as we continue uh, our journey through the prophets. Uh, David, do you mind lifting up his prayer as we begin? No, let's pray. Uh, Father, we, uh, we come to your word. Um, we ask that as we read your word, um, you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And, and may... We see that at times, yes, we have lived selfishly, neglecting the, the poor and the needy, and we have turned away from God. And so we ask you would use Amos, um, you use this prophet to, to let us see our, our sin and, and to return um, back to our God, to, to be his people in this time and in this place. And so we ask you would graciously uh, be at work in us um, for your glory and our ultimate joy. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. The words of Amos, one of the shepherds of Tekoa, the vision he saw concerning Israel two years before the earthquake, 
when Uzziah was king of Judah and Jeroboam son of Jehoash was king of Israel. He said, The Lord roars from Zion and thunders from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds dry up and the top of Carmel withers. This is what the Lord says, For three sins of Damascus, even for four, I will not relent, because he thrust Gilead with sledges having iron teeth. I'll send fire on the house of Haziel that will consume the fortresses of Ben-Hadad. I will break down the gate of Damascus. I'll destroy the king who is in the valley of Avon and the one who holds a scepter in Beth Eden. The people of Aram will go into exile to Kir, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Gaza, even for four, I will not be silent, because she took captive whole communities and sold them to Edom. I will send fire on the walls of Gaza that will consume her fortresses. I'll destroy the kings of Ashdod and the one who holds a scepter in Ashkelon. I will turn my hand against Ekron till the last of the Philistines are dead, says the Sovereign Lord. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Tyre, even for four, I will not relent, because she sold whole communities of captives to Edom, disregarding a treaty of brotherhood. I will send fire on the walls of Tyre that will consume her fortresses. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Edom, even for four, I will not relent, because she pursued her brother with a sword and slaughtered the women of the land, because his anger raged continually and his fury flamed unchecked. I will send fire on Teman that will consume the forces of Basra. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Eman, even for four, I will not relent, because he ripped open the pregnant women of Kiliad in order to extend his borders. I'll set fire to the walls of Rabah. They will consume her fortresses amid war cries on the day of battle, amid violent winds on a stormy day. Her king will go into exile, he and his officials together, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Moab, even for four I will not relent, because he burned to ashes the bones of Edom's king. I will send fire on Moab, they will consume the fortresses of Kiriath. Moab will go down in great tumult amid war cries and the blast of the trumpet. I will destroy her ruler and kill her officials with him, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. For three sins of Judah, even for four, I will not relent, because they have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his decrees, because they have been led astray by false gods and the gods their ancestors followed. I will send fire on Judah, and they will consume the fortresses of Jerusalem. A nice a nice opening. Uh, if you're up uh, from a you know from one of Israel's enemies, Judah, and because Judah was actually they were kin, there's probably a little bit deeper animosity even for the other nations around them. And you're coming and you're pronouncing you know to the officials uh, you know of Israel you know coming judgment. First you look around and you pronounce God's judgment on everyone else, and that's exactly what's happened here you know, in the first part. So there's, you know, six rounds of judgment, you know, that we have coming even to their, you know, even to uh, Judah and, and to Israel. And, uh, of course, Amos is setting up for the rest of the book, which would be God's judgment on those northern tribes in the middle of their prosperity. This would be the high point, you know, under Jeroboam II uh, of Israel as a single nation separate, you know, from Benjamin and, and, and from Judea. So nice kind of sense, and you have that rhythm, you know. For three, uh, let's make it four. Yeah, it's four. You know, three is a three is a word of you know completion, yeah. and uh, four is uh, not only is there, are their sins complete, they even go beyond that. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that stands out to me when you read it is that re- repetition of, you know, the totality of their sins. But then you add the fourth to it. It's like their sins just overwhelming, and, and God sees it. And you know, if you're the people of Israel, you're, you're here in Amos, and you probably like him for a little bit. You know, like finally this prophet who gets it. You know, he's speaking against all the sins of these these other nations, and and rightly so. We see the things that they've done, and we say, yeah, they need to be you know punished. There needs to be justice. And then, I, and I'm glad we read through chapter two a little bit because then the turn hits to, mm-hmm. and it's God's people who are also under the judgment of God for their sins three and four. You know, God is not willing to overlook. And it's kind of interesting because you have the nations and their their, their war crimes. You know, literally the thrusting sledges where mm-hmm. you're you're kind of running over. You know, after you've conquered a nation over the dead bodies, and you're just mm-hmm. it's almost like you you've won a battle and you. You know, take a big old tractor and still run over the bodies and desecrate them even further. You know, beyond that, to have them, you know, just running into nations and selling, you know, people into slavery just, you know, for prosperity. Uh, you have uh, breaking of treaties. You have all kinds of things. But then when you come to Judah, it's, you've ignored the word of the Lord and you've chased after idols. And, uh, you know, in Judah's sense, they're probably saying, well, that's not nearly as bad as what the nations are doing. In, in God's sight, it's even worse because they are the people who should have known him, should have followed him, should have loved him, and should have been you know, a light to the nations. Mm-hmm. So they have missed their calling. And we've seen time and time again how a lot of this begins or is kind of happens in the life of Israel or even the you know, life of Adam and Eve at the start of Scripture. There's, this, there's a rejection of, of the Word of God or not taking seriousness taking serious the, the word of God and even begin looking, you know, into your own life, right? It, a lot of sin, a lot of the, the things that come into our own lives that call us away from the Lord is is when we begin kind of rejecting the, the word of the Lord and begin not taking it serious and not devoting ourselves to it, just not just to, to read it, but to, but to live it and to to stay humble underneath it. And so... Yeah, Israel's falling away. They've rejected the word of the Lord, and and we begin to fall away when when we've rejected the word of the Lord as well. And always, our sense of sin is, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some inconsistencies in my life, but I'm not as bad as, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not as bad as Emma. I'm not as bad as Tyre. I'm not as bad as Aram. I'm not as bad as Haziel and these other kings and these horrible. In, in the eyes, in the eyes of the Lord, the the ultimate heart of sin is, is to reject him and to direct his gracious rule in your life and uh, even though we see that as kind of a minor infraction that is the heart of sin and in the heart of god's judgment well you see too they're turning away from the word of the lord it's because they've rejected the law of the lord they've not kept his decrees but they've also been led astray by false gods you know and and so you have that you know kind of progression if you will that They've turned from the, the word of the Lord. They no longer follow his decrees. And what are they doing there? Go back to the what we talked about in Jonah. They're clinging to wordless idols. And so this is what your ancestors have been doing, but this is what's true of you as well. It's continued. you know. And, and just asking the question, even for us, in, in light of I mean, these things, is you know, what, what are those idols that we hold to? You know, where, where are we tempted to reject the law of the Lord over us and, you know, and cling to wordless idols? Because um, that's one of those th- the prophets are going to do really well is, and you talked about this in the intro, is point out our idolatry, you know, but call us back to faith in God, call us back to repentance, call us back to the great hope we have in, in Him. But it means also turning away 
in idols is an easy you know kind of easy moniker for us to slip mm-hmm. you know slip past mm-hmm. because we think it you know they worshiped pagan gods uh, but the heart of idolatry is they uh, well you know jeremiah will say it this way my people have committed two sins uh, they've forsaken me you know the living god and uh, they've i'm sorry they've forsaken me the well of living water and they have produced their own wells wells that can never hold water and uh, you know that that's what we do. We look to material things and achievements and status and what we have and what we accomplish. And uh, th- those those are our idols. They're not you know pagan gods we worship, but they are the things in which we find our identity and set our hope. And, and of course, that's a different gospel, you know, to begin with. And we talk about it a lot. You know, a lot of those idols, they're not always bad things. Um, you, you know, for, uh, just, the, uh, just the initial look, but it's when those things become those ultimate things that we're going to for the ultimate source of yeah, identity or satisfaction or, or or worth or this is where I'm really tying myself into this and it not being the Lord, not being Christ. That's when, you know, we begin to find that we're loving these other things more than we're loving Christ. And, and that, yeah, it's kind of the, the beginnings of those false gods that we we trust in. Nope, that that's a perfect description for us. Uh, you know, even a good thing like family, when we make it the ultimate thing. Even a good thing like a career, when we make it the ultimate thing. Even a good thing like you know providing you know through you know through our wealth for our families and and, and being generous to others when we make it the ultimate thing uh, can become idolatry uh, for us. Cindy, do you mind closing us with a word of prayer? No, I don't. Father, we um, we thank you for these strong words. We thank you, Father, that um, you see all things, Lord, and that you do respond in your time and your way. Father, we thank you for your sovereignty. And ask, Father, that our hearts would also turn inward and that we would look at um, the places in our heart, Father, where we run after our own idols or our own sources of um, salvation. And that, Father, you would um, cause us to see that and repent in humility, Father, and turn toward you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.